today's first reading is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Second reading is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Alec. <clears throat> well, you might have heard some people say that you don't need to go to church to be a Christian, um, but that is misguided, that idea. As soon as you become a disciple of Christ, you are welcomed into the church uh, which is also called the body of Christ. Baptism marks your welcoming into the church. We say in the baptism service these words. It goes like this. In baptism, the promises of God are visibly signed and sealed for us. We are joined to Christ and made members of his body, the church universal. In fact, the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, uh, which is formed from two words, which means an assembly and also to call, to call out. So it kind of means the called out ones. So the church is a body of believers, believers that have been called out from the world to live as people under the authority of Jesus Christ. God has placed all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, as Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. It follows then if Christ 
is the head of the church and the church is his body that followers of Jesus would want to be part of the local church. Christians who aren't part of churches are living not as they should. Perhaps it's like saying, I'm exclusively devoted to a loving marriage with my wife, but I don't actually live with her. We don't have sex and we never actually interact. We don't share resources. We don't eat together. We don't help each other out. I do spend time reading about marriage. I look at the photos of our wedding and I even wear a wedding ring, but we don't actually have an active relationship as such. That's just not marriage at all, is it? It's meaningless. You might be registered with the government as married, but you're not actually living as a married couple. So your marriage has kind of no meaning. No, if you're truly a Christian, you are a member of the body of Christ. And Christ is your head. Other Christians are your brothers and sisters. And you've been called out from the world as God's holy people. As our Ephesians 4 passage says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What we are talking about today is the general calling all Christians have, if you're a Christian, to the church. Calling can be understood in many ways, the word calling. Um, Often we focus a lot, or a bit too much perhaps, uh, on this kind of specific calling, what, how, what has God called me to in my life? You know, and w- w- what is the vocation God has called me to? We, we focus a lot on that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're actually talking about the big picture calling that Christians have, the calling from God to all Christians. And we're going to focus on four spheres of life. How, how do we live out our lives as Christians in the church this week? Uh, and then in the household, in school, and then in work. How can you integrate your faith in all of these spheres? What does God want from you in those areas of life? And I want to be specific about this, not just give some general information, but talk about the here and the now. What does it mean in this time of COVID to be called as a Christian to live out of faith? COVID has put new psychological and physical and social pressures on us. Many Christians are withdrawing. Uh, Perhaps it's fear of getting sick. Social anxiety has increased. What does it mean to be a Christian in the context of the church, the household, school and work, in that context? We see the effects of COVID on the church. Church attendance is down across the world. Churches in the West used to get an average of about 60% attendance. So if there's like 100 people in the church, you'd get 60 of them on a Sunday. At the moment, it's around 40%. Pastors are part of the big resignation going on. It's tough for many pastors uh, across the world. COVID has made it difficult. Some churches are closing. What does it mean to be called to the church in the context of COVID? Last year I did some research on this, uh, looking at different um, thinkers, theologians around the world, um, pastors, church leaders, and what their experiences are, not just from the West, but also the majority world. 
Um, and I especially got a lot out of what the missiologist and theologian Chris Wright said. Um, and so much of my thinking this morning is coming from, from kind of some of his thoughts. So let's, let's have a think about this this morning. What does it mean to be called to the church? The first thing I want to say is that we are to have faith and hope. We are to have faith and hope. Let me explain. The church is the people of God. Thousands of years ago, God made a covenant, an agreement with Abraham, saying, you'll be the father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will um, establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And the church is the fulfilment of that promise. God has committed himself in covenant oath and faithfulness to the church. The church exists because of God's eternal purposes to bring blessings and salvation to the world, to the nations. And so we need, Christians need to have hope and trust that even though the world might be in a mess, in a pandemic, and even though church attendance in the West might be down, your local church might be down, even though there are many complex internal problems in the church to be resolved, nevertheless, God's mission will not be defeated. Habakkuk chapter 2 uh, says that the righteous shall live by faith. That is not just living by faith in Jesus to save you, but also in the, in the sovereignty of God. The, people, the Hebrew people had to remind themselves that even when they were under the power of the corrupt Babylonian and Assyrian empires, that God was in control and would have ultimate victory. And in the same way, Christians in 2022 need to be reminded and trust that a pandem pandemic or the culture wars or post-Christendom, uh, none of these things will ultimately crush God's people. None of these things will end the church. The church is going to continue. All your friends from youth group might have given up on their faith God is still in control. Your family might mock you for being a Christian, but God is still in control. Have faith and hope that God is building his church. Now, you, we should never downplay um, the tragedy that COVID is for uh, many people around the world, many Christians around the world. Um, Christians are among some of the poorest people in the world and have been impacted the most in many parts of the majority world. But as Paul writes in Romans 8, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, which includes COVID, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In our reading for today from 1 Peter 5, Peter says to be assured to have faith and hope in the Lord Jesus because after you've suffered a little while, he says, that God will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. So to be called to the church means that no matter what challenges or hardships you face, no matter how bad things look, that you should continue to have faith and hope in God that is in control. He knows your name. You belong to him. He knows you are a member of his church, his holy people. And in Christ, the church will continue until he returns. 
And at that point, the church will transform into the people of the new creation. It's big. Chris Wright says, it is a biblical view of the church that sustains us. So how can we encourage our faith and hope in God's sovereignty and Christ's headship over the church? It, for me, it really means, well, to do what we've just done and to remind ourselves of the promises of God and to have a biblical view of the church rather than one shaped by experience or what the media is saying or a poor understanding. But it also comes from being exposed to encouraging stories of God's sovereignty over the church. If all you do is doom scroll, you know, flicking through the social media, you'll get continual stories of the church messing up. Like this week, we had the mess around the City Point Christian College in Brisbane. Or if you follow the Christian Twitter sphere, you, you get inundated with the fragmentation of the church in America. Christians just lobbing grenades at each other. And it gets very discouraging. And you lose hope. But that's not the whole picture. Uh, that's a curated as, uh, you know, a social media cu curated version of, of, of what the church is. You've got to tell, find out, discover encouraging stories. One reason I love church planting is because it is in church planting that we often can see up close God's sovereignty over the church. We can see God growing his church through church planting. Church planting is filled with amazing stories of God opening doors, making things possible, and the church growing. It might feel like the church in the West is shrinking, but in the church planning space, it's very exciting. There is action. And in many majority world countries, the church is growing rapidly. The place in the world where the church seems to be growing right now the fastest is, does anyone know, the place where the church is growing the fastest in the world? Hands up, anyone? Is that? Iran, correct. 10 points. You've passed the test. Iran. About 20 years ago, the number of Christian converts from a Muslim background in Iran was between 5,000 and 10,000 people. And today it's between 800,000 and 1 million people. Uh, Operation World, which is um, a famous prayer guide for world missions, argues that Iran has the fastest growing growth of Bible-believing Christians in the world. The radical Shia theocratic government have cracked down on with harsh controls on the church and evangelism. Um, this is a country where pastors are regularly hung. Um, if you are associated with the promotion of Christianity, you risk 10 years jail um, or, or execution. Uh, and COVID has, had, has just as much an impact in Iran as everywhere else. Nevertheless, the church is exploding through personal evangelism. And even apparently social media is having an impact, of a positive impact. People are, uh, are walking away from the oppressive um, Islam, Islam, experience of Islam that they were having in Iran and embracing Jesus. God is not threatened by de despotic governments. God doesn't need church buildings to grow. Uh, when the world is in the grip of a pandemic, the Holy Spirit doesn't go into lockdown. You know, to begin to understand our calling to the church, have faith and hope that God is growing the church and is in control. Secondly, we need to have practical love. Being called to the church in the time of COVID means being characterised by a response of practical love. 
In our Ephesians 4 reading, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing uh, with one another in love. And sometimes we read this in the modern middle-class church and think, oh, just be tolerant of one another. But actually, no. It means being sacrificial and practical with our love towards each other. Paul says God has equipped his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. When Christians respond in times of crisis with practical love, it means that much fruit is born. The church actually grows and people's lives are transformed. In the early church where there was a plague, um, where there was plague, social disorder, even when the Roman Empire collapsed, the church responded in practical love and it changed people's lives and the church grew. Uh, The Christians at that time surprised their pagan neighbours by staying put and not running away. They cared for church members They cared for non-Christian neighbours. They cleaned people up. They helped bury the dead, often at the cost of their own lives. If you make the effort to read the Christian literature put out by mission agencies today, you will come across regular examples of the church across the world responding in practical love uh, in times of suffering. Just last December, Typhoon Rai hit the southeast eastern end of the Philippines, and the local church stepped in to help. Uh, The Tacloban Mission Church opened its doors and 130 people took shelter. Uh, And the the president of the Tacloban Mission, this Christian mission in the Philippines, said, after seeing these evacuees taking shelter in our meeting house, I reflected on what the saviour would have done if he were here. I know that he would be with them to comfort and lift their spirits. And we can follow his example in our own small ways. In, in, in February last year, a massive earthquake hit Japan, 7.3 on the Richter scale. And it was almost 10 years to the day since the, the 9.0 magnitude earthquake occurred, which resulted in the tsunami. And what the churches did 10 years earlier was they, they quickly responded and they ended up forming this organisation called CRASH, which stands for Christian Relief, Assistance, Support and Hope. And the local pastor, Yoshia Hari, said that before 2011, the locals didn't respond to the gospel very well. But since they've established CRASH and the churches have been serving the people and been more active, more people have been coming to faith. Um, One of the pastors said, the spiritual atmosphere has changed and people are more open to the gospel. Churches from all over Japan and the world now have a desire to come uh, to Tohoku to evangelise and plant churches. Many people have accepted Christ and many churches have been planted since the disaster. If you look in Lebanon, the Baptist churches um, are reaching out to the Syrian refugees, um, feeding the poor, opening their homes, providing shelter. Uh, It's it's amazing stuff to see what, what Christians can do when they respond in practical love. Being called to the church means embracing our role to deliver practical acts of love and service to those who are in desperate need around us. So if you're feeling lethargic about your faith and you're thinking, I'm not really growing as a Christian, don't wait for a hurricane or an earthquake or a pandemic or a humanitarian crisis. Don't wait for a ministry program to start up, for you to be invited and for you to have time in your diary Start small now with practical love to your neighbours. 
Love towards your next door neighbour or your school friends or your colleagues at work. Open your homes. Invite people over. Thirdly, prophetic truth-telling. Being called to the church means being involved in prophetic truth-telling. It means speaking the truth and exposing human evil and idolatry that have contributed to the pain people are experiencing. COVID is not just a natural disaster. It has human causes and factors. It's similar to climate change in that respect. Uh, Chris Wright puts it this way, the theologian, he says, COVID-19 is a result, from a biblical point of view, of the cost of going after the gods of greed and consumerism, the gods of relentless economic growth, the gods of human arrogance and destructive callousness towards a natural order, especially our forests and animal habitats, and the encroachment on wild creatures for food and trafficking, ignoring God's wisdom in the scriptures, such as don't eat bats, it actually says in Leviticus. <laughs> when we ignore God's warnings, we suffer. Proverbs 1.32 says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. The folly and hubris of some of our human leaders have contributed to the excessive deaths. We need a prophetic response to expose the injustice and the evil. Right now in the post-Christian West, sadly, many people think of the church as perpetrators of injustice. And in some cases they're right. But throughout most of Christian history, while the church has messed up many times, it has also been at the forefront of exposing injustice and bringing reform. John Dixon's book, Bullies and Saints, explores this in great detail. Uh, as does Tom Holland's book, Dominion. Let's avoid the culture wars, but let's get our hands dirty when it comes to speaking prophetically into our culture and to the people in power. It has been encouraging to see so many church leaders speaking up about uh, the hashtag set them free campaign to end mandatory detention of asylum seekers in Australia. We need more of this. To finish, we need to realise that our calling to the church especially in this time of COVID, requires confident witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christians are part of God's story of hope. The good news of Jesus offers hope of resurrection and new creation and victory over death. You might think, now is not the time to be preaching the gospel. You might think, now is the time to bunker down and stay safe in your home. But now is the time. During the reign of Queen Elizabeth I in 1563, London was overwhelmed by a plague and a quarter of London died. The Dean of St Paul's Cathedral London, Alexander Nowell, preached a sermon that year encouraging the church to stand up and witness to the good news of Jesus. And he said, Therefore, let us learn by this affliction to mourn for our sins and to hate and forsake our sin. For when shall we mourn for our sins, if not now, in this time of mourning? When should we forsake sin in our life, in, if not now, when life is forsaking us? When shall we relieve the poor in their need, if not now? When shall we understand that this life is, is as but a passing vapour, as a bubble rising on the water, if not now? in the passing and vanishing away of it. 
When should we, the people of Mary Creek Anglican, share the good news of Jesus to the people of the inner north of Melbourne, if not now, when so many are confronted by the reality of sickness and death? If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, have faith and hope in God's sovereignty and that his plan to grow the church is being fulfilled. Realise that your first call is to respond to this hurting world in acts of practical love. Have confidence to speak prophetically against the injustice of, it, of this world and announce the good news of Jesus so that others can know the power and sweetness of his love. Amen.